Welcome to Daily Daf Different, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Shalom. This is Rabbi Joshua Heller, Senior Rabbi of Congregation B'nai Torah in Sandy Springs, Georgia, and this is Daily Daf Differently. Today we're studying Tractate Tani, which deals with fast days, Yud, Gimel, Aleph, and Bet. That is 13a and b. And we are still very much in the topic of fast days, whether due to a lack of rain or to other trouble, and we will ask the question of whether one is permitted to bathe on a fast day, and some tangents will come up along the way. It's worth noting that what we saw in previous Mishnayot, on previous Dapim, was that if there is no rain, then there is a series of fasts with escalating intensity. The first three are relatively light. They go dawn to dusk, and they prohibit eating, but all other types of activities are permitted. If those should pass without bringing the intended result of rain, then there are more intense fasts that last a full 25 hours and where work, wearing shoes, using lotions, and marital relations are all forbidden. The prohibition that we are going to focus on in this second round of fast is bathing. Bathing is forbidden and even the bathhouses are closed so that no one is tempted to go do it. Why should that be? It's worth noting, first of all, that in ancient times, bathing even once a week was a big deal. In medieval times, it was even less frequent. So Queen Elizabeth I of England was known as a relatively frequent bather, and she did so about once a month. Now, in contemporary practice, there are only two fasts that are a different level than the others. Those are Tisha B'Av and Yom Kippur. And in both cases, there is a traditional prohibition that avoids bathing in any kind of water, hot or cold. On the other hand, the 12-hour fast, as observed today, so for example, the 17th of Tammuz, don't have any bathing restrictions at all. So how do these rules apply when we get to the second round of 24-hour fasts? Do they follow the other 24-hour fasts and prohibit bathing? Or do they follow the other lighter fasts and allow bathing along with other activities? Is bathing prohibited on, as it is on Tisha B'Av and Yom Kippur, because those days are of the same length? Or is bathing permitted because it has a different purpose uh, than those dates? So as you go through the Talmudic discussion, there are conflicting statements, some of which seem to indicate that bathing during morning, or for that matter, on a fast day, is prohibited, and others say that it is permitted. One of the ways that later sages try to harmonize the dispute is to say that the dispute is really about bathing in warm water. But in fact, we are not arguing about bathing in cold water. Another wrinkle in this discussion is that some very specific kinds of bathing are permitted even on the most serious fasts. So if you've ever followed along with the Torah reading for Yom Kippur, or the Avoda service, which describes the ritual of the high priest on Yom Kippur in ancient times, 
you know that the high priest bathed a number of times in Yom Kippur. After every segment of the service, he would immerse in a mikvah, that is a special ritual bath of water that has never been pumped or drawn. And that might well be true again during the course of the Yom Kippur ritual. In truth, any individual who has a required ritual immersion may go ahead with that immersion, even if it's a day when bathing is normally prohibited. The flow of Talmudic logic, however, suggests that perhaps mikvah water has to be cold. After all, back then, the most of the ways that you had to heat water involved drawing it out and putting in a utensil, putting it in front of the fire and putting it back. And since to be kosher, the mikvah has to consist of water which was not drawn or pumped or put in a bucket, one might conclude that all mikvah immersions were cold, and so therefore cold bathing is permitted on these holidays. Of course, today we've come up with different methods for heating the water of a mikvah while still retaining its kosher living water status. The truth is, even back then there were other methods. There were hot springs and there were other ways that were available to heat the water that might not be available here. One other point about Ardath. We see the example um, which is of Rabbi Yossi, the son of Rabbi Hanina, and Rabbi Yossi's sons die in quick succession. And we are taught that Rabbi Yossi bathed during Shiva. We conclude that he did so because his mourning periods, his shivas, came in such quick succession, otherwise he would never have had a chance to do it. We also derive from that story in the abstract that there are prohibitions against other types of grooming activities that focus on appearance. So, for example, haircuts, doing laundry, um, wearing new clothing. If one isn't bathing because of one's mourning practice, then one should not do these things either. The rabbis, however, note that in the case of Rabbi Yossi's son, Rabbi Hanina, the problem was that these mourning periods came in quick succession, so they put in a loophole, they put in a ringer, so that he would be able to make himself comfortable before he had to start the next Kaddish. The sages, in discussing this issue, also raised the question of a young woman who is reaching the age of maturity, and mourning her father. And they make special exceptions. There is such an intense pressure to find a match for her, for her to not be um, left on her own, but to have a household that she can enter, that the sages encourage her to maintain her appearance, even though she is in mourning in Shiva. In the end, the discussion of whether a mourner may bathe ends in something of a compromise. The tradition is that the mourner does not bathe his or entire, entire body at once during the entire week of Shiva, but may wash hands, feet, face, or other limbs. Of course, another view is that during this time the mourner may bathe for cleanliness, but not for pleasure. Because after all, we are not used to going a whole week without bathing, and for us, that would be a source of additional distress to not be able to be clean. So that has become a more common practice today. The end of our daf today talks about the Anenu prayer and other aspects of the ritual and liturgy of the fast day, and we'll have a chance to talk about that more tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros, from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.